In a world where swimming news comes at you largely in print, for the first time ever, Swim Swam will be bringing you the news on air. Now introducing the main set with Mitch and Loretta. And for the fourth world championships in a row, Ryan Lochte is the world champion in the 200 IM. Nobody's gonna pass him, is he gonna do it? He's stretching in, gold! Just look at him coming off those walls, absolutely unbelievable underwater. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey guys, it's Mitch Bomile. And it's Loretta. And we're back for another episode of The Main Set. Right now we've got an absolutely special episode for you guys. It's something that we've never done before, something completely new. And we're going to dedicate this entire episode to the greatest Olympian of all time, Michael Phelps. Now, Phelpsy. Phelps has had, uh, you know, he's been in the headlines for his comeback lately. But we wanted to go in-depth, not just on his comeback, but on his career. And talk about some of the greatest Phelps moments. What we got planned for you is uh, some of his greatest rivals, some of the first that he's brought to the sport. Uh, and, and we're going to get to that. But first, we are going to discuss the uh, his comeback right now. Because that is something of high importance in swimming and... Uh, it's really taken off right now, and it's it's serious. It's something that could seriously make a huge impact on the sport. Oh, yeah. I think it already has made a huge impact. I think uh, just the fact that he announced his coming out of retirement, I think, kind of sent shivers through some people who were probably, you know, thinking, at last, it's my chance type of thing, like Che and some of the fly races. Um, you know, but I think even though he announced his comeback, you know, it didn't really start to sink in, I don't think, until U.S. Nationals in August. Because I think that he had some, you know, impressive times, some not-so-impressive swims. You know, some people were kind of picking apart his performances, like, you know, is he past his peak? Is he past his prime? Um, but he obviously laid all those to rest at Nationals when he got, you know, the world's number one time in the 100 fly, 200 fly, and then the 200 IM. 200 IM was almost, you know, matched the world record. So, you know, I think that that counts as, like, his official comeback. And I think that definitely, definitely sent some uh, some shockwaves to the world coming into uh, the final stretch for Rio. And there's one thing that Phelps always says, and that's actions speak louder than words. And I think that's exactly how things went at uh, at U.S. Nationals this summer. Oh, yeah. You know, after the whole DUI incident and all of that, people were, you know, thinking he was done, thinking he would never swim again and all that. And... You know, it's it's a big thing that he's back because he was he he not only came back, but I think that DUI and all of that, it was a terrible situation for him. But it got him to really get serious, and it got him to really turn things around. And then he turned around. He got training better than he's ever trained before. I know Bowman was even saying with those two hundred fly sets he was doing that he's never done stuff like that. It's crazy after doing that. You know, that one set of one fifties, like you know, I I feel more confident than there is. And also, I think moving out to Arizona with Bob Bowman, I think, is also kind of another symbol of him starting anew and kind of just his final phase in his push to Rio, I think, is also, um, you know, just changes your outlook when you have the sunshine on you, you're with, you know, fellow athletes, you have a new environment. I think that's kind of a great mix of old and new. Still, his same training, uh, training mate still has Bob Bowman, but it's definitely a new environment. So I think that's also sparking, you know, some of his, his more – uh, impressive times as of late. Um, it's just, you know, the whole changing up things rather than, you know, same old day in, day out. I think everything's kind of giving him a fresh new outlook and he's having fun. 100%. You know, it, it's something that he's, it's new for him. And it really, and I think it's going to be positive heading towards Rio. You know, this summer, plain and simple, he looked at what everybody was saying with, about him. He looked at what people were saying about him at World. And he just told everybody pretty much to shove it with that, with that response. You know, amazing times, 200 fly, 100 fly, uh, everything, just absolutely incredible. It was a new Phelps. It was like looking at 2007, 2008 Phelps. He's a, you know, he's a fighter and everything. And now he's training in Arizona for the 2016 Olympic trials and hopefully the Olympic Games. And I think I think at those trials, I think something special is going to happen. I even smell, 
I don't. I don't think he's done with world records even in his career. Oh no, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I think that San Antonio absolutely proved that as well because that was just, I think, the tip of the iceberg. I really do. The times he swam today kind of put that level of swimming in play, which is great because I'd like for him to do best times. Yeah, that's what you said. said you know, I'd like for him to do his best times. That's what our game is always about. So it's been a long time, so I think it's great. Yeah. He could think about doing that. And, by the way, I want to give a shout-out to all the women in his life because behind every great man is, in his case, four great women. So his mom his two sisters, and then obviously his fiance Nicole Johnson. So I don't think it's a coincidence that since they've gotten back together, you know, things have gotten a little bit more on track for him. So I'm giving her a shout-out. And when we were on the topic of world records just before, you know, obviously it's for the four of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> when, we're, when we're looking at that with, uh, with the world records, what, what world records do you think he can break? I'm, I'm saying 100 fly, 200 fly, 200 IM. I'm saying those are my three world records. I think that he can he can take down at the end of his career. Yeah, I, I think that anyone would say that, really. I mean, I don't think he's going to be targeting anything else particularly. And even if he does swim, say, if he does go back to the 200 free or even tries out the 100 free on an individual level or even as a leadoff on the relay, I, I don't see that as being something he'd break a world record in, although I think he'd be superb. I just don't think that that's going to be, you know, in the cards. I think it's definitely, like you said, the, the two fly events in the IM. I'd love to see him in the 200 backstroke. You know, he, he was really testing that event. He made the Olympic team in 2004. He, uh, you know, 2006, he won it at Pampax. And uh, I, I'd, I'd love to see him compete in that internationally because he never really got the chance other than, like, 2006 to really go for it internationally. And I, I think internationally it's it's kind of a weak event right now. Mm-hmm. Well, see, and that's where I wish he would almost compete in, like, uh, like the World Cup event so he could try something like that out and not... Um, you know, with, with an event that didn't have like as, as much repercussions, he just wouldn't earn money or he would be out the traveling cost to get there. You know what I mean? It's not like it would detriment his career if he tried out an event like that at, you know, kind of a lesser scale, obviously, than the Olympics or, or you know, Olympic trials. So, um, so you know, maybe maybe at a domestic event, you know, one of the pro series, he'll throw that in there and, and just see what, he, see what he's got. And if he were able to make the team in that event and actually go on and possibly even win an Olympic Olympic medal in it, I know it's a long shot right now considering he hasn't shown any intention to swim the 200 back. Yeah, I think this is like Mitch's dream world that you're it talking is. about. I, I, I want to see him in the two back. I'd love that. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think you're going to have to uh, see it in a master's meet. I don't think it's going to happen in a regular meet. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it's going to happen, but... You know, if it would, I'd be very happy. You know, oh, happy yeah. Phelps fan right there. Hello. Hey, Ricky. It's Loretta and Mitch. Hey, how you doing? How you guys doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. So tell us what I... you have been doing. Okay, so you retired officially, what, in 2013? So since 2013, yeah, I retired after Barcelona. I pretty much jumped in as a development assistant with the Texas Athletic Department. Okay. Worked with them in our Longhorn Foundation and our Tea Association, which is like our Letterman's Club. Okay. Um, after about a year, I applied. I'm getting my MBA right now. So I'm a little over a year through my MBA. And I also worked there for another year in the Longhorn Foundation um, uh, in the donor relations and events. So we're, they were all the fundraising uh, for Texas Athletics. I was kind of on the events and stewardship side, so we were kind of showing all of our donors um, their impact that they've given, you know, mm -hmm. going through school, going, being through a student athlete, you know, I got to tell that story and tell that to a lot of other donors and got to say thank you a lot, which is, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I actually just took a position with Nulo Pet Food and, uh, I've been here for about three weeks. Um, amazing company here in Austin. They're a few years old mm -hmm. and, uh, they sponsor Natalie Coughlin, Aaron Pearsall, a few Olympic athletes, and it's really a, a special company, a special product, and uh, I'm kind of managing some of the sponsorships and, and how we're doing that, and uh, we're getting into the lifestyle brand, you know, it's it's one of the ones where you have athletes that know what they put in their body is what they're getting now, and uh, why are you going to give your dog something different, so it's pretty it's pretty fun, it's, a, it's definitely a change, but it, it's an amazing thing to be a part of. And I read in an article with the Charlotte Observer that you're uh, like you're doing your MBA, like you said, and that you're working towards something in business. And there's an interesting quote in there that said that you wanted to. Uh, it was a possibility of thinking about being the president of USA Swimming or working towards something like that. Uh, how do you think your business career could possibly go back into swimming? 
the swimming and athletics is just it's a second home for me it's I mean, I've, I've been in the swimming world, you know, I wouldn't say I was in the swimming world at five years old, but I was swimming at five years old. It is, I, I literally, I am more comfortable swimming than I am walking around on the street, and it's just a world I, I know a lot about, and I feel like I'll always be a part of it, um, and I just know the ins and outs of it. I, I know the age group swimming all the way up to the college, to the professional, to the Olympics, and now I've also gotten to see kind of the business side of things, and uh you know, I, I would love to be, you know, I think as a professional athlete, as an Olympic athlete, and, and once that, you know, I was lucky enough to make it to the Olympics and then also win some Olympic medals and stand on top of that podium. And I think that's a, just a drive that any athlete has, and especially those top athletes, you know, after you retired from swimming, you kind of you kind of had to take a step back and actually drop a few levels in, in the career. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you just want to get back up to the top. You want to do something to where, you know, you're owning it, you've really built something special, and you're also kind of, you know, back up to the top of the list, and so that's kind of where, where I guess, like, the president thing comes from, <laughs> uh, but I just think that are incredible. USA Swimming is such a special place, it's a special thing for the swimmers that are a part of it. Um, the Olympics, it's literally a sport and a program that every single kid should grow up and have an opportunity to, to be a part of. Well, let's talk about the ins and outs of Texas swimming specifically. So are you ever on deck? You watch practices? Obviously, it's a, it's a hugely talented team. Some in Austin are saying the best ever. <laughs> so because you've got Conger, you've got Schooling, you've got Will Glass. I mean, you've got a whole roster of Ed Ellis. So what are your thoughts on that? And kind of what, what's, where do you rank them? Man, I wish I made it over the pool more often. Yeah, I, could, I, I still talk to Eddie and Chris all the time, mm-hmm. so I get to hear all the stories, all the sets those guys are doing. Um, the best team ever. <laughs> that's, that's a, you know, we won in 2010, and we had a pretty good team. Yeah. Um, we, always watched, we always watched when we were going through school the uh, 2001 Texas team uh, when they just killed it, and that was Ian Crocker, um, Brendan Hansen, Nate mm-hmm. Doozy, and all these guys. That, I mean, they, they just killed it. And that, that, in my opinion, was one of the best teams ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what those guys at Texas did last year was just unreal. Yeah. Um, and they're just so young. They're all freshmen and sophomores and now they're juniors. And uh, so it's going to be a special thing. They, they have an incredible team this year. Um, they're already just doing great. And, and what's the best part about those guys is they are the most competitive people in the world. And they're your teammates and they're your friends, but they mm-hmm. hate losing. <laughs> And that's what you want. Yeah, that's, that's a good combination. You that's what you want year after year. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I mean, literally looking at – I was laughing with Neil Kasky, who held the team record in the 200 butterfly. He broke my team record uh, um, in 2012, I think. Okay. So his name was on the record board. And uh, I, was, I was excited. <laughs> my name was on the one that just got destroyed last year <laughs> uh, because the top – all. The top 10 times in the Turner Butterfly at Texas are all from last year. Oh, yikes. And it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, so what those guys did was, was just unbelievable. And, I mean, yeah, we'll see how this year goes and have that conversation. <laughs> and you were talking about that you saw the 01 team and then this year's team. And it seems like every once in a while, like every four years, every three years or whatever it is, there's a new squad of just Texas standouts. But you got you got your, uh, you know, your 2001 Crocker, Hanson, Pearsall. You got yourself, Dave Walters. Uh, now you're getting, uh, you know, Will Lacone, Jack Conger, Schooling, Glass, a couple of other guys. And what do you think it is that Eddie does to have these consistent, I, I guess, rounds of uh, successful athletes coming out of the program? He is just so consistent with all of his swimmers. Uh, you know, year after year, those guys are always just performing the best, and he's always putting guys on the Olympic team. Um, in 2008, in 2008, he put he put seven guys on the Olympic team, uh, eight including Eric Chanteau. Um, in 2004, when I was getting recruited at Texas, it was Ian Crocker, Aaron Pearsall, Brendan Hansing, Garrett Webergale, Neil Walker was training there. I mean, the names just go on and on. He's built up. I mean, he, him and Chris Kubik are, are you know the best coaching duo in the world, and I don't, I don't think there's much debate about that. Um, but then also, it's it's just he, he they teach. These guys so much more about themselves and the team atmosphere they have. Uh, that group, that family that they have there, 
when it, when a recruit comes on a trip to Texas, it's just a special thing to be a part of it. Um, you know, it's, it's really just a close knit group and Eddie and Chris, they, you know, you can, you can kind of tell when a swimmers come through Texas and they're at the Olympics or they're at a nationals or something and they're talking in front of a camera and they're interacting with people. Um, because I think it's something Eddie and Chris teaches and it's something that a lot of swimmers value going through the programs and, um, you know, they just keep bringing the, the talents. Eddie says, uh, he'll retire when people stop laughing at his jokes. Oh, the best part about that is that uh, he gets new swimmers in each year, so they're going to continually laughing at the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> what, you, after you've been there for four or five years, he's here the same ones, but he just keeps on getting the new guys that haven't heard him before. Well, what's the best Eddie joke you've heard, then? <laughs> best Eddie joke was... Uh, <laughs> we better laugh, Mitch. <laughs> bringing a girlfriend to college is like bringing sand to the beach. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's, a good one. That's, that's an Eddie quote. All right, all right. Let's broaden the scope a little bit, Ricky, to Worlds, 2015 Worlds in Kazan. Did you take a look at the U.S. results? I mean, it wasn't exactly, you know, fireworks, but, I mean, there were obviously Ledecky, you know, Lochte. There were some gold medals thrown in there. So what was your overall thought, you know, in takeaways from Worlds? Overall thoughts? Uh, it's the year before the Olympics. You know, it's not really much else to say you know in 2011 we were pretty slow we, we weren't great I mean we're we were a little better than what we were doing in 2015 um but, you know all those guys are so experienced and you look at Ryan Lochte and you look at all these guys they've been through so many world championships uh they've been through a number of Olympics and uh that that year is just a hard year it's kind of like those guys are just taking a deep breath preparing for the Olympic year mm-hmm. um there's a you know the Olympic year takes a lot a lot out of you You'll see the year after the Olympics, everybody does real well because they're on a big high. And then those two years in between, there there is kind of a lull. And uh, there's probably where they're kind of going through because mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, they're just, they know how much it's going to take out of them the right. next year or so. And uh, that year and where they're in is kind of the year to enjoy it and get ready for the next year. So, you know, Michael Phelps, he took his few years off after 2012. And, uh, I mean, I have never seen him look so fit. I saw him down in San Antonio for nationals. And, uh, you know, I didn't see him that fit in 2008. And so to see him like that, 2016 is going to be a big year for him. And then, I mean, the team's going to step up. There's a lot of young people, and they're all experienced, and they all know what they have to do. So it was, uh, it was a good meet, and I know they'll be setting up for a big year next year. And, and you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned Phelps, and, you know, you guys are kind of intertwined in history with, like, relays and all of that. And uh, another quote from the, uh, the article that I read was a, a you're a bigger fan of swimming than you are of competing. And uh, I thought that was interesting. So I, w- I wanted to ask you about, you know, maybe Phelps, for example, other teammates. How, how close are you with them now, watching them uh, watching them compete, uh, rather than, I guess, being there with them competing? <laughs> uh, how close I am? It's, it's funny. It's, it's a different world now that I'm a, that I'm a fan. I just kind of sit back and watch and everything. Uh, you know, I don't get to talk to them about, you know, how fast I'm swimming and that's what actually I can talk about how slow I'm swimming and <laughs> kind, of, kind of vice versa, how I can barely make a mile now. Um, but I, you know, when I was swimming, I, I appreciate when I look at an event and I see a Michael Phelps swim, Ryan Lochte and Missy Franklin, all these people just killing it, Katie Ledecky, like I really appreciate fast swimming and like watching really, really good swimmers. Uh, it's just something special. It's and when you grow up, you just learn to appreciate that. Swimming for me, like I love going fast. I probably love training more than I did the racing aspect, and eventually I got better at that. Um, but I just love sitting at a swim meet and watching the best athletes in the world compete at the highest level. It's there's something that has to be said for that. And so I love just sitting there and, and watching it. And my wife, my wife wasn't a swimmer. She's a big runner. And so I, I'm getting her into the swimming stuff. I'll take her down the swim meets and, uh, we'll watch and, uh, her and I will go for some swims. I usually go swim now when, when she wants to, but that's usually the only way. All right. So, you know, but 2012, okay. Came 2013, you retired. It's not that much longer to the next day. So, why couldn't you just hold on, Ricky? <laughs> you know, if you were to tell me 
when I when I say this statement, I used to say, you know, 10 years ago, but now that I'm about five years out, I got to start saying like 15, 20 years ago. If you were telling me 10 years ago that I was going to go to the Olympics, I'd tell you you're crazy. Yeah. And to now go through two Olympics and win three Olympic, Olympic medals, it's just a dream come true. And uh, for me, you know, I, I accomplished more than I ever dreamed of in swimming, and it was time to get on with real life. Okay. Uh, and that was going to go get my master's, moving on to a different career. Because truthfully, when I retired from swimming, I was 25 years old. And in business terms, I was 20 years old. You know, I was coming out of there, and the only experience I had was swimming. And for me, uh, I'm, I'm a business person, and and uh, I wanted to uh, really get into the business world and start that career afterwards and kind of not, not put a hold on that any longer. Uh. To the chagrin of the Ricky Barons fans, I know. Yeah, I'll still hold on to the T-shirt, though. I appreciate it. No, I mean the swimming world. I mean the the four years is just it, it takes a lot out of you. You know, yeah. it's not it's not just every single year. You know, swimming you train for the Olympics and it's four years out of your life. And so now I would have been retiring at uh at twenty at uh, twenty eight years old. And it's just, it's a whole different world. And, you know, what are the chances of me doing all that training and great and everything? And then I get the flu a week before. Uh, you know, it's chances that you take as a swimmer. And, uh, you know, I <laughs> I finish on a high note. I finish up to Barcelona <laughs> anchoring a, a gold medal right. world championship relay. I'd never anchored at a big international competition like that. Uh, and I feel like, you know, I was just able to accomplish everything I dreamed of. And I, I also, in that year, I broke the American record in the 200-yard free, right. which was the goal of mine for a number of years. And uh, That was part of a 500, right? Was that, within, that was within a 500, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a crazy way to do it. but <laughs> I had to uh, I had to go leave the next day for Mac Reaver's bachelor party, so I couldn't swim. The oh, jeez. Well, you got it done. So, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you went out on your turf. So, okay, I get I it. Yeah. I get it. All right. Okay, so who you got? You got schooling or conger for the one fly and two fly when it comes right down to it? Can you choose? Uh, no. Oh, come on. <laughs> you can't choose with those two guys. All right. As long as they're one, two, I'm happy with it. Okay. Um, and all I know is it was like in the, in the 200 fly, you know, no matter where they are, they're going to make a race out of it, and they're going to make it close. Right, uh, right. 200 fly on the last day, like Jack was far behind, and you see him just putting the head down. Right. Uh, that's just, that's a that's a flip of the coin there. Okay. All right. And are you liking the cone for uh, repeat champion in the 4 a.m., 200 breasts? I would love to. Will Will is one of those guys who has just taken off. And when you talk to Eddie uh, last year, and I was like, you know, who's who's going to be the breakout guy? What are they going to do? And he's like, Will Lacone is just going to kill it. And uh, he's a great kid. And uh, he thrives on, I, won't, I don't want to say the spotlight, but being able to race the biggest guys. Okay. Uh, swimming against like Kevin Cordes, swimming against um, Chase Kalish, those guys. Like, he loves racing those big-time guys. And you said you're planning on, uh, you know, you like to drag your wife to swim meets. Uh, what what swim meets do you have this year that you want to plan to go to? I want to get up to Olympic trials. That is by far the most exciting meet there is on, on U.S. soil. Um, I took her down to San Antonio, the Austin Grand Prix. Um, and then we, we have our long-term goal of making it over to Rio to watch. Hey, hey, that would be cool. <laughs> Wait, that, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. How about the duel? You should go to the duel in the pool in Indy. I need to get up there. Now, that's that's an exciting one, too. Yeah, it is. Cool. Yeah. Um, we'll work it. <laughs> <laughs> right, then you can sign my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. We, we, we like to stay here in Austin where we got the big swim meets coming here and... Uh, the Olympic trials, I want to take her up there and show, show her a little bit about our world. Awesome. There you go. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Ricky. Really appreciate thanks your taking you time out of your day. All right. So that was Ricky Barron, the one and only. Thanks for joining the show. And now we're going to take a look at the swim of the week. If anyone paid attention to any of the college meets over the past week, they couldn't help but notice Kelsey Worrell, again, from University of Louisville. She's a senior 
We've had her on the show before. Um, you'd probably expect us to identify a 100 fly or even a 53 for swim of the week, but no, 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 no. This girl pushed out a 5269, okay, 100 backstroke against uh, just a dual meet against Cincinnati. Um, that makes it her 10th school record, okay? Um, yet, like I said, we 53, 100 free, 200, or a 100 fly, 200 fly, those are things that we would expect her to awesome, be awesome at. So we already knew that she had backstroke potential because at U.S. Nationals in, um, in San Antonio, she threw down a minute, uh, a minute something for her 100 backstroke long course. So we knew she had it in her, obviously, and we talked to her about that in the interview. Um, but at 52.69, Mitch, she's currently ranked, yes, it's early in the season, but second um, in the entire NCAA. And I don't know if you saw a video of the race. We posted the video of the race. Her underwaters were phenomenal. I mean, she ended, it looked like she was taking just a few strokes per lap. I think it was maybe seven or eight strokes per lap. So, um, anyway, so Kelsey Whirl, 100 back, 52-69, hands down, some of the week. Well, I was just going to say, you know, um, look, looking at Kelsey Whirl, uh, I, I, I haven't seen the race video, but even before you said that, I was going to say, the reason she's swimming that is because of her underwaters. If you watched uh, last year's NCAAs on the fly, she just absolutely killed it underwater. So... That, that's really where her power comes from. So I'm not surprised, especially in a short course yard pool, doing, you know, with her underwaters for her backstroke. I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that she's successful with the time I'm surprised about. But, you know, I think if she puts a little focus on that backstroke, she could definitely be a contender. And I, I just, I, I think there's so much we don't know about her backstroke right now that, you know, that, we even talked to her a few weeks ago about her backstroke from uh, San Antonio, and she was... You know, still a little surprised about that. I don't even think she had any idea this was coming. Well, yeah, and I think I think to your point about, I honestly don't even know if it's going to be an individual event, at least at Louisville for her. Um, I think if anything, maybe, you know, Coach Arthur Alviero um, is, is kind of experimenting with her in terms of the medley relay for Cardinals. Um, you know, they lost Tanya Kilianian. Um, Hannah Magnuson is their current, um, backstroker, I guess you'd say she's, she's a sophomore now. She had a 5375. Um, that's the fastest time that she had had. So obviously Kelsey's already beyond that. Um, so I think he may be experimenting with her in terms of the leadoff for the medley relay, seeing how they have, uh, freshman Mallory Comerford who's already making some pretty good strides in the fly environment, at least enough to carry them through a relay. So I think to cement, you know, a, a, a placeholding spot for the relay, even more at NCAAs, I think, you know, putting world at backstroke will only, I think, help, you know, in that cause. So I think that could be maybe potentially what the root of, of you know, putting her in the backstroke events could be. And then throw a school record on top of it. I mean. <laughs> you know, she kind of reminds me of Natalie Coughlin in the way, like, you know, when Coughlin was yeah. a college swimmer, she had, you know, she had her backstroke and fly uh, and she swam the IMs and everything, but... And she swims, you know, she swims right now. She, her her hunter back was her, you know, her event, the backstrokes. She's also swam great fly, uh, very, very solid IM, and now she's in sprint freestyle. If you look at Kelsey World, you know, her sprint free times are very solid. Her mm-hmm. fly times are obviously amazing. And then you go to her backstroke time, and she's really developing that now. So I want to see when, when is she going to go for the IM. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that was our swim of the week, and now we're gonna go back to a little bit of uh, talking about Phelps. We're gonna talk about his. We're gonna go for a Phelps-related top ten and talk about his top ten, uh, you know, biggest rivals. So Phelps definitely in his type of career and being at his level, he has had a ton of rivals. Uh, so I'm gonna start you off right now with uh, one of my favorites. That's Eric Venn, um in the 400 IM. Now that rivalry really kicked off in 2002 at the. Um, at nationals in Fort Lauderdale. Now that was one of the races. If you talk to anybody who's around watching 2002 swimming, that was a race to watch. You know, Phelps and Phelps and Ben went head to head, really, really competing, very close race. Phelps actually broke his first 400 IM world record in that race with a 411.09, and Vent didn't finish too far off him. He won a 411.27. And now, not only was that uh, you know the 400 IM world record that Phelps broke, but that was Tom Dolan's world record that he broke. You know, Phelps even talked about going to senior nationals as when he was younger and seeing Tom Dolan on deck and freaking out mm-hmm. a little bit. So that must have been a huge world record for him. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. It was definitely the start of a big rivalry between him and Vent. And then at the Pan Packs in 02, right after trials, Phelps beat Vent one more time in the 400 IM. And then in 2004, Phelps, uh, Phelps obviously won the 200 I, uh, 400 IM there. 
and then came silver. And he continued a trend where, um, you know, an American named Eric, uh, you know, won the silver in the 400 iron for a few years uh, running in the Olympic Games. So very, very uh, interesting tradition that happened. But definitely, I, I think that was the start of Phelps' first rival in the IM events. Yeah, and I think it was friendly. I mean, I, I still remember in Athens when Phelps had won the 400 IM and he and Eric Bent looked so pleased. I mean, they, they literally hugged each other or were all smiles. So, I mean, I think the fact that they were both Americans, I think just makes it super special, you know, that that, um, that, that it was a friendly rivalry. And we'll see that along this list throughout the, you know, throughout the, the rivals we're talking about. It's, it's, it's really cool, I think, when it's from the same country. All right, next up, actually, another one of those friendly rivalries is none other than Ryan Lochte. So age-wise, Phelps is 30, Lochte's, th- Lochte's 31. They've obviously competed against each other dozens and dozens of times. Um, and, you know, I, I looked up some old interviews um, of Lochte commenting on just this very thing. And, um, you know, one quote from Lochte is, it never gets old. He loves competing against Phelps. He's the toughest racer he's ever had to go up against, no matter what stroke, what event. He'll race you to the end. And obviously that's Lochte's mentality as well. I mean, Lochte is a racer, a 100% thoroughbred. He'll do anything you ask of him. Um, so it's, you know, and then to the friendship point, um, per Lochte, um, you know, win or lose, no matter what, at the end of the race, we're always going to be friends. We're not going to hold a grudge. So I love it. So, you know, I think the real standout race for me, obviously, was um, London 400 AM, where Lochte just threw it down. I mean, beyond belief. And Phelps lost by more than four seconds and obviously didn't even make it to the podium. So I think that was, you know, one true shiny moment, if you will, for Lochte, you know, where he was able to not even come out from the shadow of Phelps, but just absolutely solely be on the podium all by himself, which honestly in those IM events hadn't happened. I, I'm sure you'd have to look back, you know, through one, you know, meet that one was at and one wasn't at or something to even get to that state, um, you know, that one would only be on the podium. But the fact that Lafayette did it in 2012 in the 400 IM, I think was just, that kind of just catapulted him up to, you know, his own kind of legend status. Well, with their rivalry, you know, that really kicked off, uh, you know, 04, they were uh, competing in the IMs. And, um, you know, they, they kept competing a little bit. Loxie's focus was, he, he was looking at the IMs, but he was really focused and invested in that, the backstroke events. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really, really competitive with Pearsall in those. And that was, you know, those are some of the great races with Lochte and Pearsall in those. But, uh, you know, Lochte had never beaten Phelps in an international competition uh, until 2010 at Pampax. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, in that 200 IM. That was the first time Lochte had ever beaten Phelps. And I think 2009 Lochte sparked that. Uh, you know, Phelps Phelps didn't enter the IM events, and Lochte kind of had free picking of him a little bit. You know, he had Laszlo Che to compete with a couple others, but Lochte really got to, uh, you know, step things up. And 2010, he 2010 he beat Phelps, and I think ever since then he's really had the confidence to just go head to head and just kill mm-hmm. Phelps. And he's he's been one of the only few swimmers who's really just consistently been down to compete with Phelps at mm-hmm. any level, any meet any any event right and again i think from an american point of view it's awesome because they're both americans so you know that's great bring it on i hope it continues all the way through rio and another one of uh phelps biggest uh biggest rivals was ian crocker now this is probably my favorite phelps rivalry that there is um you know it started in 2002 at the nationals in fort lauderdale as well just the same as eric ben uh you know, Phelps and Crocker went head to head there. Phelps actually won their first, uh, first, uh, uh, first head to head match. And if you look down in the career, uh, you know we ran a tally, tally of nationals and uh, international meets, and actually Phelps has nine wins, Crocker has three. So where Phelps won again, two thousand three nationals beat Crocker, two thousand three worlds Crocker, uh, Crocker beat Phelps. He broke the world record. First man under 51 seconds, 50.98. I know in semis they were, you know, throwing the world record back and forth a little bit. 2004 trials, Crocker won another world record, 50.76. And we all know what happened in 04. Phelps beat him 0.04 seconds at the wall, that magic Phelps touch. Um, 2005 nationals, Phelps beat Crocker. And then 2005 worlds, uh, Crocker just absolutely smoked Phelps with that 50.4, which I still think is probably the most impressive swim in in swimming, other than oh, yeah. maybe I, that or, or Thorpe's 144.06 too free, but definitely that 50.4 is something else. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't mention the word butterfly without someone referring to that race. So it's it's cemented in history for sure, and it, it's it's always going to be the, the gold standard, if you will, to compare all other races to. 
I remember my first uh, age group nationals was actually at the pool of the 05 World Championships, and I was swimming. How old were you? So for my first age groups, I was like 15. No, no, but how old were you? With one, oh, no, five? Yeah. I was nine, ten. You are so young. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> You're a little baby. Okay, go on. But, I, but I, I remember at age group nationals, I'm just sitting looking at that lane. I'm like, this is where Crocker swam the 50.4. I swam at 50 breast in there, and it was, I don't know, it was exciting. Just looking yeah. at that, just knowing the legacy that was there, the, the Phelps, uh, Phelps Crocker uh, you know, showdown happened there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in, in 06, Phelps, uh, Phelps got the better of Crocker at Nationals, 51-5-1 and 51-73. Uh, Pampax, uh, Crocker, Crocker swam the 100 fly, Phelps didn't. Both in 02 and 06, Phelps didn't swim the 100 fly at Pampax, which is interesting. Th- 2007, uh, you know, 2007 Worlds, Phelps just beat him again, 0.05 seconds this time, 50.77 to 50.82. And that was really their last, I'd say, big 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 showdown between the two of them you know after that 2008 trials phelps beat crocker in 2008 olympics crocker finishes fourth um and then cabbage comes into play so you know leaving the tally at 9-3 phelps uh with that but yeah i don't think that that record really reflects the intensity of the rivalry you know what i mean like it seems like it should almost be a little bit more even just based on you know just just how fierce of competitors they really were well, I think the biggest thing about this rivalry is the fact that there's nobody else really that went head to head with Phelps and consistently won. You know what I mean? Like no, the, consistently. What was it? Would you just say nine to three? Yeah, but still, he was beating him. I don't know. He was beating him. He was doing world records. Like he was. I I don't know. I think this was Phelps' toughest toughest rival. Uh, I I think he was the one guy Phelps really just. Sometimes he just couldn't beat him, and the one guy that really stumped Phelps. Well, the next guy I'm going to talk about is in that same boat, Chad McLeod. I mean, yes, he's a recent competitor. Yes, he's a lot younger. He's only 23, obviously, from South Africa. Um, you know, 2012 London, won the gold in the 200 fly, silver in the 100 fly to Phelps. So they split it one-on-one one in that. Um, but it's honestly been after the London Olympics that, you know, kind of the rivalry has intensified. Um, because, you know, afterwards, Phelps is obviously saying in 2012 he wasn't in his best physical condition. He didn't, you know, put in all the training he needed to. So here, you know, comes this up-and-coming, you know, kid who's 23 years old now. Um, beat him in the 200 fly. 2000 World Championships, obviously, Phelps wasn't there. He was since retired. But the club went on to win gold in both. So London wasn't a fluke. You know, 2015 in Kazan, gold in the 100 fly. Silver, actually, in the 200 fly to, to Laszlo Che, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, and he's obviously, he's branched out in the 200 free. Lacole has branched out in the 200 AM. Um, but it's really the top, you know, that's obviously we've covered in a, in a previous episode as well. You know, where, you know, recently actually Lacole said, I'm not afraid of Michael Phelps. Like, he literally puts it out there. You know, he's been talking about how slow the butterfly events have been recently. And, you know, basically uh, Lacole say my, my swim should quiet him down, that kind of thing. You know, and then. Like you referred to earlier, Phelps always does his loudest talking in the pool. So he throws on 50, 500 fly, 152, 94, 200 fly. Kind of, I mean, he doesn't like blow the close times out of the water, but he obviously tops the world rankings, you know, in both of those events. So, um, you know, that's a way that he gets the job done, obviously, is, is Phelps in the pool. But I think it's just this talk back and forth. I mean, I love it. I personally love, you know, intense firing where, you know, one person is all, you know, all about talking it up and then Phelps really doesn't really verbally respond. I think, you know, he does what he does best and just performs well in the pool. But I think it's just, again, going to intensify, um, you know, leading into it to Rio, obviously. And Laclos going to get smacked. He's going to get destroyed. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I got to say it. I just think oh. you don't you don't poke the tiger. You don't you don't rattle the tiger's cage. And he's just. He wants. It reminds me of Rocky Five. I'm anytime I can throw out a Rocky quote, I'm going to. But you know, you, you got you got Tommy Gunn. He's looking up to Rocky, and then um, you know, and then he wins the world title, and then everybody's like, "Oh yeah, but you got to be uh, Rocky to do it." And then you know, he goes fights Rocky, and Rocky just kicks his butt. But yeah, I I think I think it's gonna happen. Like I think he's gonna keep talking all this smack here. He's not talking that much smack, but I think he's gonna keep talking running in his mouth to try to fire Phelps up because he wants to face him at his best because he knows when he won that 200 fly in London, Phelps wasn't at his best. Um, and I think, I, I think, I don't think he'll ever beat Phelps again in his career. I think. I mean, but 
Leclerc, his 100 fly time from Worlds was just about, it was just a 10, essentially. It was, what was it, 12 100s, um, or 11 100s, sorry, off of Phelps 100 fly from Nationals. I mean, it's not like he's miles away time-wise. I mean, I don't, so I don't think to the point where you could say he's going to get his butt kicked. Phelps has got his number. I don't know. I, I think he's going to make a statement in the two fly against against uh, against Leclerc. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt it. I, I think it could happen. I just think it. I, I don't think it's like a hands down done deal like you do. But um, you know, if you get a chance, anyone that's listening, go on the Swim Swim website. We had a, actually an audio clip of um, Chad Leclerc getting interviewed by the BBC where he says, you know, um, I'm not afraid of Michael Phelps, and then actually his really cute dad gets on, you know, the radio show too, which all women out there love Bert Leclerc. He's so awesome. But anyway. So he goes on there and says, you know, he considers his son to be the hunted now, you know, and everyone else, including Michael Phelps, being the hunter. So it's just, you know, they definitely feel like they're the ones that are that are being chased around the world, you know, as opposed to Phelps. And, you know, even in light of Phelps performance in San Antonio. So obviously the rivalry is still going to continue on that front. Man, But I, I love Leclerc's tenacity on that, though. The fact that he's, you know, we're, I, was, I was talking about, you know, how Crocker is one of those guys he's going head to head with. And you, you argued that, you know, Leclerc is also that guy that he's had trouble beating. Yeah. And, and, and I agree. Like, you know, I love Leclerc's fact that he's just like, no, I'm the best. You know, you're not yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. you're not taking this back from me. You're... And I think part of it's youth. I mean, you know, I mean, 23, yeah, it's not like he's 17 or anything. But he, I think part of it's just youth and, and optimism and um, in his country of South Africa. I mean, he's worlds above everyone else. So, you know, I think he has, you know, he has sponsors. He has that, that notoriety going for him. So I think that that, you know, kind of builds up his ego a bit. And somebody else who's uh, voiced his opinion loudly about Michael Phelps is Miller Cavage, who's another one of his biggest rivals. Uh, you know, that rivalry really sparked no eight when, you know, Cavage said it would be good for the sport if Phelps lost and that he would love to be the guy to hand him that loss. And we all know what happened. 0.01, crazy yeah. Phelps smack in the water, finger point, right. uh, you know, screaming. And, Kav- and then, you know, the Serbian team filed a protest and they... They lost it. And, you know, Kavich has said that he's uh, he's accepted the loss uh, at the hands of the greatest swimmer ever. But it was, it was oh, that was that fired Phelps out. Fired, I think, everybody up. That, that's my favorite rivalry or one of with Phelps because it was just, it was so intense. And then, oh um, my gosh, it couldn't go any closer, obviously. And then he names his horse 1 100th. So, you know, obviously it had an impact on him as well. You know, and I'm sure that, you know, whenever. If I were Phelps, any little thing in training, like if I felt like cutting a corner or skipping this or that, like I feel like that would just haunt me. You know, that one one hundred. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like you know maybe if anything that taught little kids around the world that they can't cut corners and that you can't breathe off their turns or you know they have to have strong finishes and all this little stuff that adds up. And and one thing that I like is uh recently actually Mark Spitz uh talked about an email he got from Omega uh the timing system. And saying that Phelps lost, uh, that he actually lost that hunter fly, and it was none other, obviously, than Mark Spitz. He said that, which is, you know, he's a guy who um, Phelps was gunning for his record, and you know, I think that added a little weight to that rivalry. The fact that there's still so many people who don't believe Phelps won that. Oh yeah, it's like a conspiracy theory type thing. I mean, it is. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I. It, there aren't that many in swimming, so I think some people have to kind of latch on to, you know, these, like, weird facts or, you know, these things that they want to have an opinion on. But, I mean, obviously, he won the race. It's, it's, it's said and done. He has his medal. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that it's something that um, people like to look to as, hey, wait a minute, there's, like, a star and asterisk, you know, next to this race. You know, after that, 2009, Cavett started opening his mouth again, saying he wanted to, you know, he could beat Phelps in the, you know, 100 fly, and then he's going to, and then, um, you know, Phelps won a 50.22 at the 2009 uh, World Trials in the uh, States. Uh, so broke uh, Crocker's world record of 50.4. And then out comes, uh, out comes Cavish with a 50.01, breaks a world record in the 100 fly again. And then they're set up for the final, the two of them going into it. And, you know, Cavish, and, and there's a whole suit, uh, you know, suit issue there. Cavish offered to buy Phelps a suit even. And he just, he kept... <laughs> Kept poking the tiger's cage, and then what happened? Phelps forty nine eighty two, Cavage forty nine ninety five. You know, Phelps jumps on that lane rope after, flashes the speedo logo, smacks his chest. Uh, he looks like a pissed off gorilla. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, you remember it like you just watched it. <laughs>
But I, I, w- I wish I wish they could have had a couple more races uh, to you know improve that rivalry. But unfortunately, you know back issues really kept Kavik from uh, really competing after a bit. In two thousand and twelve, he finished I think fourth or fifth at the Olympic Games in the hundred fly uh, out of a podium spot. But those two 2008-2009 seasons of the 100 fly, I, I think one of the, my favorite parts about that is Cavett really pushed him to focus on one event. You know, 2009 was all about the 100 fly. At least from our point of view. I mean, that's what it looked like from a, you know, from outsider's point of view. You know, you really wonder if that's the case or, if, you know, it really wasn't as big of a deal to him. Because Phelps is cool, you know, cool as a cucumber. Doesn't, you know, he, he definitely internalizes everything and then just spits it out in the pool. You know, so it's pretty interesting. I wonder what his actual mentality was like. Um, another guy that we're going to talk about is 29-year-old Laszlo Che, um, who wasn't as intense or fierce or outwardly vocal um, in terms of rivalry with Phelps. It was more just the result, the results, basically, at meets. Um, 2008, he took silver to Phelps in the 400 IM, 200 IM, and 200 fly. So the poor guy, I mean, really, silver in three events to the same guy. And that's got to be kind of tough. And then 2012, bronze in the 200 IM um, behind both Phelps and Lochte. Um, he did actually, Che did kind of break through a little bit, which we talked about, um, at 2015 Worlds, winning the 200 fly against Leclerc, silver to the 100 fly, and then one bronze in the 50 fly. So he definitely had kind of his shiny moment, you know, at, at Worlds, but up to that point, he was definitely, you know, always the bridesmaid type of phrase to, to Phelps and Lochte, and, you know, and it was just more pronounced in the 2008 Olympics. But nevertheless, for a Hungarian, you know, he made his mark on the sport of swimming, he's still swimming, obviously, today, still doing really well. Um, it'll be interesting to see actually what events he targets, if he's just going to go solely for two fly, you know, kind of what he's going to change it up with, if he's going to add an IM in there. Um, so again, not really an intense rivalry, but more him almost getting the shorter end of the stick all the time. Well, I know you know? In, in 2009, like, uh, you know, after Lochte beat him, I know he said there, there's a quote where he says, every time I look up after a finish, there's an American on top, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, he kept getting, like, the guy's career... If there's no Phelps and Lochte, he would be like, his, the amount of medals this guy would have are gold medals. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's like, you know, any distance swimmer under Ledecky at this, at this point in time. You know what I mean? Like, Boyle threw down a couple Oceanic records, but honestly, it's always going to be, you know, Ledecky on top. So, yeah, so it's kind of the same deal. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he's still going strong. He's obviously laying down some times that are world ranked, getting medals, so... You know, he, he has no reason to stop. You know, I, I think he's still doing well, and I think it's he'll still be a challenger, obviously, when the 200 fly. So, um, yeah, he'll bring the heat, I think. And another uh, Phelps rival in the fly events was uh, Tom Malchow. Now, this was, I think, his first, like, real rival. Uh, you know, in 2000, uh, Phelps made the first Olympic team uh, in that event, finished second to Malchow at trials. And I don't think that was, like, a rivalry. I think that was just like, a, oh, my God, I made the Olympics. You know, I finished <laughs> second. And then... Um, you know, and, and then he finished fifth, obviously. Malchow took the gold in 2000. Then in 01 at trials, Phelps broke Malchow's world record right in front of him, took the gold uh, in Austin, first world record, 15 years, nine months. And then at the world championships, he rebroke it in Fukuoka. Um, and then move over to 2002. And this is what I think, this is, I think, one of the biggest lessons Phelps learned. And, you know, in the 2002, Phelps won trials, uh, or he won the nationals, uh, beaten out beat out Malchow, but then at the 2002 Pan Packs, Malchow beat him, and I know Phelps had a great quote where he's talking about how, you know, he got a little overzealous after his world record in 2001, and he didn't put in the fly training that, you know, was really necessary, and it showed, and he lost that race, he didn't think he could lose it, but he did, and I think that's one of those lessons that Phelps really learned after 02, so I think that's one of the most important rivalries of his career. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think from like a, an apprentice type of, type of coming up, uh, under Malchow, I think is definitely, you know, seeing a legend from him, from, from you know, the, the younger point of view, and then just kind of eclipsing him. I, I mean, I just couldn't imagine what kind of a feeling that is. I mean, it's just got to be so, so amazing and so gratifying, I would think. Okay, I got two more rivals for you guys, and that's uh, these two guys actually go hand in hand with each other, the rivals with each other. But through the 2004 200 freestyle race, they became true rivals with Phelps as well. Now, one of them is Ian Thorpe. The other one is Peter van Hoogenband. That is my favorite name to say ever. Yes. Peter van Hoogenband. <laughs> oh, I love it. But we're going to focus on Thorpe right now. And that's the, the, the first time they ever went head-to-head was that 200 IM in 2003 at the World Championships. Definitely an off event for Thorpe. 
156.04, world record for Phelps. Beat, beat Thorpe by like three and a half seconds, 159.66 for Thorpe. That was the first really head-to-head battle. Um, you know, one of my favorite races to watch because you don't see Thorpe really swimming in IM much, so definitely yeah. uh, definitely fun to watch that. Then you look at the 4x200 freestyle relay, which, you know, Australia and the Americans were always and still are rivals in that race. Sure. 2003, Australians got the better of uh, the Americans. And, you know, Thorpe was on that team. Phelps was on that team. Uh, so it wasn't a head-to-head, but it was, uh, you know, they got to race. And then the rivalry really happened in 2004 when, you know, Ian Thorpe was the best swimmer in the world at the time. And, you know, one of the best swimmers. And he was he was the golden boy of swimming. And, you know, Phelps wanted to come and be like, nope, that's me. So, you know, he, he, entered, uh, he, he entered that 200 freestyle with that focus, ended up finishing third in, you know, the race of the century, which is funny. And I said a quote, how it was funny, because, like, you know, the years of the century can only be counted on one hand, but... Well, well, okay, and you have to also visualize what kind of a suit Thorpe was wearing, if you remember. I mean, it was almost like a full-on wetsuit type deal, so... I mean, only, like, his head and, like, his feet were uncovered, so... You know, that is what it was. It just looks so smooth going through the water in it. I loved it. <laughs> a little buoyant. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, Thorpe, 144.7, won that two free. Peter von and Hugenbahn finished second, and then Phelps was third with an American record of 145.3. Uh, and then the Americans won the um, the 4 by 2 in a freestyle relay in 04 against Australia. Phelps and Thorpe, again, didn't go head-to-head in that, but, um, uh, you know, they were both on the teams. And after that, you know, with Thorpe's career kind of disappeared a little bit after 04, and, you know... Thorpe and Phelps never got to go head-to-head again, uh, but Thorpe or Phelps did get to race Peter von Hugenbahn, who, you know, that rivalry really happened in 2004, um, and then 2007 was when he got to race him. You realized Thorpe had retired before that. He wasn't, wasn't going to get to race Thorpe at the 07 World Championship, so he raced Peter von Hugenbahn, and that was, you know, that was something special, too. And at that World Championships, he broke... Thorpe's unbelievable 144.06, 200 free world record with a 143.86. And, you know, Peter Von and Hugenbahn finished second to him. You know, after the race, Peter Von and Hugenbahn turns to, turns to Phelps and he says, you know, I'm not swimming the 200 freestyle in uh, Beijing. You know, that's all you <laughs> focus on the 100 free. So definitely, definitely interesting. And there's just so many guys who've really been into, into the Phelps career. Uh, so we actually also want to hear from you. Who do you guys think were Phelps' best rivals? I'm sticking with I'm sticking with Crocker as my favorite Phelps rival. Yeah, I'm I'm actually sticking with the with uh, Leclo, but I am throwing out an honorable mention to uh, Miss Katie Ledecky um, at the Pro Swim Mesa in April of four hundred two sixty seven uh, was the time that both Katie Ledecky and Michael Phelps threw down in the four hundred free. So obviously that's far from Phelps' best time, three forty six seventy three. But, I mean, even after the race, Phelps kind of pitched the idea to, to Ledecky to, to have, like, a head-to-head match race uh, since they had tied. And, you know, it was just interesting to, to hear him comment on her stroke, how she swims like a guy, the loping stroke, et cetera. So, um, you know, he, he, he was feeling it. I mean, he, they tied. It was great. Two legends. He called her a stud. Isn't that what he called her? Uh, probably. If he didn't, he should have because <laughs> that was pretty impressive. So... Definitely honorable mention, even though it's a friendly rivalry as well. I'd pay to watch that race. Be- oh my gosh, you're not the only one. <laughs> well, that is it for this special Michael Phelps edition of the main set. I'm Mitch Boma. And it's Loretta. Thanks for joining us, guys.